everyone. Welcome to European Talks, a podcast by the European Policy Center, Belgrade-based independent think tank. My name is Sena Maric and I will be your host today. In today's episode, we will speak about the Dutch approach to the accession of the Western Balkans in the European Union. We will also address the European Commission's proposal for a revised enlargement methodology and what it's like to make and maintain friendships when you're a diplomat. Our guest today is uh, Mr. Hils Beshur Plug, the ambassador of the Netherlands to Serbia and Montenegro. Mr. Ambassador, welcome to our podcast. Good morning, Sina. Uh, So we're recording this episode the day after the Commission uh, released the proposal for enhancing the accession process. It's called Enhancing the Accession Process, a Credible EU Perspective for the Western Balkans. Uh, We know that the Netherlands is one of the countries that opposed the opening of accession negotiations uh, with uh, Albania and North Macedonia for several consecutive times. Uh, So my first question uh, is, uh, what is uh, the Dutch position when it comes to this initiative uh, to reform the existing accession framework to the Western Balkans? Do we need uh, an enhanced accession process, in your opinion? Thank you, and I think it's a very legitimate question. And and let me start by by saying that I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation, because I think it's uh, extremely important to be in close touch on these issues and to explain to one another one's thoughts and one's reasons to do certain things or to not do certain things, especially in a process that is that sensitive as the European integration. Uh, I noticed that uh, many people have an opinion about what is going on, but uh, less people uh, have uh, some knowledge of the mm-hmm. process or some understanding, and, it, and therefore I always uh, try to explain as, as best as, as I, I can the positions of the Dutch government, not only to your government, but also to the people of Serbia. And uh, on the other side, I try to explain your position to my government in Mm -hmm. the Netherlands, as does your embassy in The Hague, by the way. So we are working together on that issue. Mm -hmm. Now, regarding your question, yes, indeed, um, we have quite an outspoken stance on the integration uh, of of the Western Balkan into the European Union, which translates in Serbia, I think, uh, into being perceived as quite strict and fair, mm-hmm. critical. To uh, I, I agree with that. We are strict and fair. I would like to add that we are committed as well. Committed mm-hmm. in the sense that we definitely think that Serbia, Montenegro and the other Western Balkans have a place in the European Union. Um, but they should adhere to the criteria that have been put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we are perfectly prepared to, to help you in, in getting there. We have funds available, we have expertise available. So that, that justifies in my eyes the, uh, uh, the word committed. We are strict mm-hmm. and fair, but committed as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we all agree that um, the past few years have shown us that uh, the integration process is not as easy as, as we have might have thought in the beginning. Uh, it is slowing down. Uh, there's lot of, lots of criticism. And, and then it, that in itself, I think, is a reason to look again at the methodology, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult word. And I always mm-hmm. have to explain that as well to, mm-hmm. to citizens, methodology being more or less the procedure of becoming a member of the European Union. So I think it's it's quite justified that the Commission has published something on this procedure mm-hmm. with improvements. There are definitely improvements in there. Now, I have read the paper. I haven't analyzed it carefully yet. So mm-hmm. uh, this is only a first reaction. But I think there are definitely a certain a number of good um, uh, proposals in there mm-hmm. that could have been enacted a few of them without a new methodology, without yes. new procedures. Mm-hmm. We could have changed things as they are. 
But I think the fact that it is now being rebranded and repackaged, uh, repackaged as a new deal um, will make it possible for us to, to look with a fresh, new uh, look at the, at the procedures. Mm-hmm. So you said the key words uh, regarding the Dutch approach is uh, strict, uh, fair and committed. Uh, does it mean that uh, the Netherlands is not uh, in any way conditioning uh, the entry of uh, uh, the candidate countries from the Western Balkans with uh, the internal consolidation of the EU and with uh, the reforms uh, necessary within the EU, which is uh, something that that the French, for example, and the Danish insist on? Uh, no, we don't. We mm-hmm. don't. And, and our, our approach is um, it can best be characterized as strict, but fair, but also as merits-based. Mm-hmm. So we think mm-hmm. every country should be judged at its own merits. Uh, Ambassador, let's come back to uh, the methodology released yesterday, the Commission's methodology. Uh, The new proposal calls uh, for the member states to, quote, inform their citizens and provide them with the facts about the strategic opportunities and challenges of the process, Uh, meaning that the member states are are invited to speak more to their public about uh, the enlargement of the Western Balkans. Uh, uh, My question is, uh, how uh, do the public debates and discussions in the Dutch parliament uh, on Western Balkans accession perspective uh, look like? Are they evidence-based? Are they in accordance with a strict and fair approach? Or there's also a degree of prejudice, of populism, of misinformation? That's a very good question. And it it, it comes back to the observation that we made that it's very necessary to inform the general public about Mm -hmm. what is really happening Mm -hmm. and what is at stake. Um, I'm safe to say, I think, that in in the Netherlands we have a quite open debate on these issues in Parliament, Mm -hmm. um, evidence-based, but of course, as with any debate in Parliament, there are political uh, sidelines as well, and and of course this is the case in in the Netherlands as well. But in general, these debates are being uh, held on the basis of evidence provided by the Commission in their progress reports, Mm on the basis of evidence provided by the embassies, the Dutch mm-hmm. embassies, uh, and by other sources of information like civil society, like your organization, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and political parties in, in, in Parliament are having a quite open debate in which they share their opinions on whether mm-hmm. or not to open uh, negotiations and their, their perspectives, their concerns of doing this uh, rather quickly or slowing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a quite an open discussion. Mm-hmm. These, these discussions are always open to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is quite a, a extensive coverage as well in, in the press, mm-hmm. because the accession um, or the enlargement of the European Union is a, um, a subject in the Netherlands that is quite um, actively follow- followed by, by many people. And uh, in general, the public is... Uh quite against uh, the new enlargements, at least in accord, uh, if we look at the EU barometer service. The Netherlands is one of the countries with the lowest uh, s- levels of support. To yes, I'm afraid, I'm afraid you're right in that. Mm-hmm. So that's a, um, a responsibility for us to explain to the public why it is a good cause, why we should enlarge the European Union with the Western Balkans. The government thinks that um, definitely there is a place, your European countries... Uh, you're located in a very uh, st- strategically important region of mm-hmm. Europe, and we can only benefit from having you uh, on board. Mm-hmm. Now, the the, uh, the population in Holland in general is has concerns about 
um, the enlargement because they are afraid that the general level of of, of welfare mm -hmm. in which they have been living mm -hmm. uh, will be um, well will be uh, affected by enlargement, mm -hmm. and this doesn't. This doesn't only translate in economic or financial effects, but also in social effects, in, in, in rule of law. Mm -hmm. um, when you share your living room with other guests, you, you, you expect them to treat the furniture uh, the same as you do yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and so we, we would like to be quite certain about the fact that if the European Union is enlarged, respect for human rights, respect for um, independent judiciary, um, is shared by everyone within that European Union. Mm -hmm. And that's hopefully something that will be different uh, compared to the accession process of the Central and Eastern European countries, that this uh, more enhanced rule of law conditionality will deliver results in the Western Balkans. Uh, but, uh, so just coming back and asking hypothetical question, this means that uh, if, for example, our political leadership of the countries in the region wakes up and starts delivering on the necessary reforms uh, in the upcoming period and the process goes uh, merit-based as it's supposed to be, uh, there, it will be not that difficult to convince the Dutch politicians and the Dutch public that um, the Western Balkans are on the right track and that the EU accession is uh, the right decision, political decision. What comes to my mind is this... Uh, uh, referendum or call for referendum when there was a signature of a free, uh, free and sorry free trade agreement with the Ukraine a few years ago uh, when the Dutch public mobilized. Uh, I'm afraid we're just, I'm just afraid uh, how would the public react and is just informing uh, uh, by the political leadership of the member states enough to 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 change the public perceptions? It it will definitely help. But you're right, we have got a quite critical public in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I should mention here that uh, unlike most countries, we do have uh, the, the public, there is a parliamentary debate on every step in the enlargement mm -hmm. process, which is not the case in, 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 in all countries. So that gives the, the parliament and, and the public in, uh, uh, a means of judging the individual uh, steps in the enlargement process. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in other words, there is a close control by the public on, on this, and they have a voice in every step that's being taken. Um, but but uh, the scenario you just described will definitely help in convincing the public. Mm -hmm. And here from the civil society, we will make sure to push our government's deliverance results, Great. and of course to to inform your public as well about potential benefits and break some prejudice with regards to maybe what you mentioned, that your population is afraid of possible economic uh, um, consequences, negative consequences when you enlargement. As far as I know, all the studies and evidence has shown that this, this late Big Bang enlargement did not affect uh, economically any of these You're new quite countries, right. just quite the opposite. The new methodology presented by the Commission also calls for greater involvement of the Western Balkan countries uh, and interactions with the EU counterparts. Uh, and we from the civil society uh, at the moment advocate for the involvement of the Western Balkans governments and citizens into the announced conference on the future of Europe. 
Uh, the European Parliament issued a resolution which also supports this idea. Uh, for now, we don't know what will be the European Commission's uh, um, stance on this. Uh, what is the Dutch position or uh, your personal position in this respect? Well, that's a very good question. And, and the, the Conference on the Future of Europe will be an important conference. The Netherlands will act actively participate in it. Uh, but it is yet, as you said, a bit unclear on exactly how it will enroll, what the procedures will be, uh, what the subjects will be to be discussed. Now, I find it extremely unrealistic that this, um, uh, that this conference wouldn't cover enlargement as well. I think it's mm -hmm. by necessity, if you talk about the future of Europe, you should also cover the, the enlargement of the European Union. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a bit difficult for me to indicate exactly how I think, how my government thinks, how this relationship should be made mm -hmm. uh, with the excess exceeding member states. It's, it's still too early to have a reaction on that because there are not yet proposals on that. But in general, I would say yes, of course, especially the member states with which we are negotiating at this stage, being mm -hmm. Serbia and Montenegro, should have a voice in this conference. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is my personal opinion. Uh, my government has not yet uh, um, reached a position on this because so much is yet unclear. Mm -hmm. But it will be in general a very important year for the European Union. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the, the conference on the future of Europe. There is the enlargement process. There, of course, there has just been the Brexit. Mm -hmm. And the consequences of that are being negotiated as well until the end of the years mm -hmm. uh, of this year. Um, uh, there will be the multi-annual mm -hmm. financial framework that has, has to be negotiated, which regards the, the budget of the European Union from now until 27. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of things happening at the same time. And every conference, every decision will have influence on the, uh, an influence on the other subjects. So it's, um, it will be a very um, a challenging year for us as well. Yeah. So coming back to the logic of uh, merit-based approach, um, now there's been talks whether um, Albania now will uh, be able to show or whether it demonstrated the sufficient uh, uh, level of preparedness to open the accession talks uh, uh, when evaluated by the countries like the Netherlands. Uh, and there's now increasing uh, relevance of the question whether the accession processes of uh, North Macedonia and Albania should be decoupled. What is your stance on that? Uh, what are the potential advantage advantages and disadvantages of uh, decoupling the two accession processes? Well, my, my government is quite clear about this. We, we are um, judging countries on their individual merits, which means there is no coupling in any sense, either politically or otherwise. Um, if a country uh, succeeds in, in, in making the reforms necessary for opening uh, negotiations, we should open the negotiations with that particular country. So in the, in the case of Northern Macedonia and Albania, uh, last October, we, um, we agreed uh, on the possibility to open up uh, negotiations with Northern Macedonia. But we were under the impression that um, Albania should reform a bit more be before we were would be able to open up negotiations with that country, which meant uh, yes for Northern Macedonia and not yet for Albania. Uh, individual merits, merits-based. Um, now, I understand there are countries that um, uh, propagate uh, a coupling of the two countries, but I think this would not be the right thing to do. Mm 
You don't maybe think that uh, Albania, just now citing some of the counter arguments, would then fall into the group with the, these less least uh, advanced countries in the accession process with uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina and with uh, Kosovo, um, that it would discourage them in pursuing reforms. Would you think be, be have enough arguments to communicate that it's up to them to delivering reforms and once they are on track, they could follow the same example as North Macedonia? Yes, I, I would say it's, it's, it's up to them, but of course we realize that there would be quite some discouragement mm-hmm. in Albania and, and I think it's our responsibility to, to be uh, as open as, and as clear as possible towards the Albanian government and its population to, to show where we think that improvement is still possible and to show our preparedness as well to support them in reaching that level which is necessary to open up uh, negotiations. Um, uh, Mr. Ambassador, I would like for the end to ask you some personal question. You're obviously a diplomat. Uh, for uh, an ordinary citizen, uh, being a diplomat seems like a dream job. Uh, we are not m- much aware of uh, some negative sides of uh, being a diplomat. And something which is uh, particularly interesting is uh, how the diplomats, when they're moving so fast, make new friendships and maintain the old ones. Um, how is it to, to balance uh, this question when you're a diplomat? Well, that is a very relevant question and uh, it's, it's not easy at all because as you mentioned, we, we, we travel a lot. We spend a few years in the country and then a few mm-hmm. years in other countries. I should say that the situation is quite different now than from my, the situation when I started because now there's social media and it's quite easy to maintain in touch, to be in touch with friends all over the world. Back when we started in the previous century, I mm-hmm. think even in the previous millennium in this case, um, it was not that easy. And uh, it, it wasn't uh, easy, especially for children, to make friends because mm-hmm. they would leave them after four years and make new friends and uh, they would be left uh, soon as well. So. Uh, children would have a could could have an effect uh, in in that it was very difficult for them to enter into a relationship. This has changed with social media, and it's mm-hmm. also changed for us. But still, it's it's something that we really have to to work on in a, in a new posting. We have to to find friends, uh, to find a, a common common ground to cover, to to have activities together. It's uh, just as in normal countries, but the, the point is that we should uh, take into account that at a certain moment we will leave again and then it's a long-distance relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it also difficult to, to keep uh, in mind that as a diplomat we are uh, in general engaging with only a small segment of society, yes. mm-hmm. which is a segment that is uh, uh, internationally oriented, government, leadership of big, big enterprises. And in order to reach the, uh, the the real people, we actively have to uh, to to go out and to um, to to walk the streets and to enter shops and to 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 try to engage everyone we meet into a into a discussion. Mm-hmm. And this especially goes for countries like Serbia, in which um, uh, the capital has such an important function. Belgrade is, of course, a a hub of of many institutions and. Um, and businesses, and there is a big difference between the rural areas in Serbia and, and, and the big cities. And I think it's especially important for diplomats, if we want to understand the country, that we travel the country and that mm-hmm. we go to small villages as well and try to 
uh-huh. to gauge the opinion of people there and to explain to the rural population as well what the Netherlands is and what we are uh, standing for and what our opinion is on things like enlargement. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely that's a, in a way an issue we are also facing here in Belgrade, uh, functioning a very small community of think tanks and trying to reach out to the greatest number of citizens as possible. Mr. Ambassador, is there anything that uh, you would like to add and which has not been raised in this discussion? Well, I, I, I'd like to, to thank you for this opportunity and I'd like to compliment you with your work. I think it's it's very important to have a civil society that is vibrant, to use the, uh, the obvious word, uh, which is always used by commission in their documents as well, but to have a very active civil society that participates in public debates and 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 tries to to support the government in making a policy that is accessible and understandable for everyone thank you very much for your compliments and we wish you a great uh, stay and uh, um, mandate uh, in belgrade and in uh, podgorica um, thank you very much for your listening uh, this was uh, the dutch ambassador at the european